to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Lesson number one, God not only has a will, He has a way for His will to be accomplished. And He expects from us cooperation with Him, not resistance. So God has a will, He has a way for His will to be accomplished. Number two, the flesh is never God's way. Never. The flesh is never God's way. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 31, in a message titled, God's Will, God's Way. Now here's Pastor Brian. Some guys make the mistake of thinking every one of their ideas is God's idea. And that can get problematic. Or sometimes it's, you know, we're going to invest this money for the Lord. I know of cases where ministries have taken uh, the, the resources that have been given by the congregation for the ministry. They've taken it and said, oh, you know, a deal comes along. Deal of a lifetime. Invest in this stock and, you know, it's going to go through the roof. You're going to... You know, you're going to get a hundredfold out of it. And they've gone ahead and done that and lost everything. What's happening there? You see, they might have been thinking to some extent about the will of God. Oh, sure, we want more resources so we can do more work for the kingdom. That's good. But the other question was never asked. Is this the way God wants to do it? And we can take that right down into our own lives personally as well. A lot of things come along and we look at something sometimes we think, oh, that's, I could do this and, oh, we could do that. But we don't consult the Lord for his way and then we can find ourselves in a lot of trouble and we can find God frustrating and God foiling our plans. To teach us that lesson of dependency on him. Now, hopefully, when those kinds of things occur, hopefully, we learn the lessons. Not everybody learns the lessons. And Jacob was a person who was very resilient. He was a guy who, you know, you knocked him down and he didn't stay down. He got right back up. And even when God knocked him down, he didn't stay down. He got right back up. And that, that was his big problem getting right back up. But God will, will deal with us in that way. He will also wrestle with us in our hearts. How many times have you had the experience of, of going in a direction and suddenly in your heart you feel very unsettled? You have a restlessness. You're agitated. And the more you press in that direction, the greater that agitation becomes. That's the Lord often. And you see, this is God wrestling with us. This is God saying, no, I don't, I don't want you to go this way. No, I don't want you to do that. And sometimes it's some type of a thing where there's, you know, an extended period of time where you're maybe thinking through a course that you're going to take and you're moving down that road, but the Lord is saying all the while, nope, nope, and, you know, doors are slamming, but you're ignoring all of that, but God is wrestling with your heart. And there's no peace. 
There's no rest. You begin to experience anxiety. And, you know, these are all sort of warning signs. These are all, you know, God is saying, hey, listen. Hello, wake up. I'm speaking to you. And yet again, some are able to just sort of ignore that. But that's God wrestling. We've got to, we've got to become sensitive to the way God deals with, with us in regard to these kinds of things. So it's that unsettled feeling that comes in. God wrestles with our hearts. But in the extreme cases where God has, you know, sort of done everything short of something like what Jacob experienced here, and yet there hasn't been the proper response, we can force God into dealing with us with a heavier hand. And this is the thing that we really want to, we, we really do want to avoid that happening. Because if need be, God will cripple a man. And we see that here with Jacob. One writer said this, so marvelous was the human opposition that nothing short of a manifestation of divine power would suffice to break it down. Isn't that amazing to think that we could actually put forth enough resistance against God to have him have to come in and exercise divine power to break us? It is absolutely astounding to me the, the power and the stubbornness of the human will. You see it sometimes manifested in little children, don't you? You'd think that we'd grow out of that at some point. We don't necessarily. It's just a different situation. It's a different parent-child situation. What the toddler would do in, in you know, response to the, the father or the mother, oftentimes we as full, you know, grown-up Christian men and women, we're giving that same kind of resistance to God. I remember some years ago when my oldest grandson was, I think he was probably three, and we were traveling, we were on the road together, and it was Cheryl and I, and then Mike and Kristen and, and Cade, and Cade did some naughty thing in the car. I don't remember what it was. And we asked him to simply acknowledge what he did and say he was sorry. That kid, <laughs> for three straight hours, screamed at the top of his lungs that he did not do anything wrong and he wasn't about to say he was sorry. And I remember looking at that thinking, my goodness, I could not believe that a three-year-old's will could be that set in stone and so stubborn. He just refused to do it. He didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't going to say he was sorry. For three hours, he screamed out at the top of his lungs. Now you say, well, that's terrible. 
But you know what? That's just a picture of what we are often doing with God. We are resisting like that. And it's astounding that that a human being can put forth that kind of resistance, but we really can and we often do. And as the writer said here, so marvelous was the human opposition that nothing short of a manifestation of divine power could break it. But listen, this is not the place you want to press God to. Jacob pushed God to the limit. And the amazing thing about Jacob here, the writer goes on, he says, yet at length as he could not obtain this, or or," he goes on and he says, God could have done this early in the struggle, but he would not because he wanted Jacob to, to willingly surrender. Now remember, Jacob is wrestling with this angel all night long to wrestle literally, physically, and of course there was a huge spiritual thing going on here, but to do this all night long and not surrender, this shows just an iron will in this man. But he's going to surrender, but unfortunately he doesn't surrender willingly. And you see, this is the thing we have to understand. God can bring us to our knees. God can make us call uncle. He doesn't want to do that, though. He gives us opportunity over and over again by wrestling with our hearts, by messing up our plans. This is all God's effort to, you know, sort of deal with us, but not severely. But if we persist, if we keep pushing, if we keep going against God's way, then we leave him no alternative. And so he said, yet at length he could not obtain this. There was nothing else to be done but to deal with him in severity. Severity is always God's last resort. But it is a resort. He will go there if he has to, but he doesn't want to. So he gives Jacob all night and, and Jacob doesn't surrender until he touches the socket of his hip and puts it permanently out of joint. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a, anything out of joint before, or, you know, if you sprained anything or broken it. You know, this, this is extremely painful, this experience that Jacob goes through here. Not only is it extremely painful for the moment, but now he's left in this crippled condition for the rest of his life. All because he wouldn't yield to God's way on his own. He had to be forced to it. The lessons here... There are four I take away from this. Lesson number one, God not only has a will, he has a way for his will to be accomplished. You know, God is very precise about things. He's very specific. He has a will. He has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. He has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And he has a specific means by which he wants to carry that out. 
And he expects from us cooperation with him, not resistance. So God has a will. He has a way for his will to be accomplished. Number two, the flesh is never God's way. Never. The flesh is never God's way. You know, I had somebody tell me one time, somebody who was operating completely in the flesh, by their own admission, they were in the flesh. And when I challenged them on it, they said, oh, well, you know, I'm in the, in the ministry I'm involved in, you know, there's a lot of crooked people and all, and, you know, you can't really be a upright, you know, straightforward guy. You'll never get anywhere. You'll get trampled. You got to be like a Jacob. You got to be deceitful. You've got to be kind of a little crooked to get, you know, the job done. That is never God's way. God does not ever call us to resort to the flesh. The flesh is never God's way. Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. The flesh is utterly and completely unprofitable. As a matter of fact, it was the prophet Jeremiah who said this, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. So the man who's trusting in the flesh is a man who is cursed, Jeremiah said, making flesh his strength. Thirdly, we can force God to have to deal severely with us if we persist in trying to do things our way rather than his way. We can force God's hand in this area, but again, the other side of that is we don't have to go that route. And fourthly, we can avoid this kind of wrestling with God altogether. That's something that I would recommend. We can avoid this kind of wrestling with God by emulating Israel and refusing to take on the mindset and the methods of Jacob. Now, remember, what did the Lord say to this man after he had broken him? He changed his name to Israel. And we pointed out previously that Israel means ruled by God or, or governed by God. So you see, the way to avoid this type of thing which we all potentially could move toward if we, if we resist doing things God's way. But the way to avoid it, the way to make sure we avoid it, is to just remain governed by God, to be ruled by God, to let God really be in charge, to let him call the shots, to let him give the guidance, the direction, the wisdom. And I believe, and I believe this from both the scripture and my own experience, that God will get very specific with us about things at times. God will get very specific with us in regard to the way that he wants to accomplish certain purposes and, and things that he's working in us and through us. He will get very specific with us and he will speak to our hearts and, and sometimes even to the extent of almost a, you know, sort of a daily guidance. It doesn't happen all the time. 
But there are those times when the Lord will be so specific about the way he wants something done that he will be speaking loud and clear to us. And it is so important that we heed his word when he's speaking to us like that. Making sure that every step we take is the step that the Lord wants us to take. And if we take a wrong step, being quick to step back and say, oh, sorry, Lord, I, no, I don't want to go that direction. God has, as we've pointed out, and as we're seeing, as we study the lives of these men, God has a plan, a purpose, a calling for every single person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I believe that firmly. I believe God has a plan, a purpose, a calling, and I also firmly believe that God has a specific way that he wants to bring that to pass in our lives. So I, I think the first thing is that it's, it's so important that we, we believe that, and then obviously believing it that we respond to it correctly. And in some ways, there's probably not a better single verse or two to describe our position than Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How many times has this verse spoken powerfully to me? How many times has it spoken to you? Remember what it says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean to your own understanding. <laughs> that, that's the problem right there. That is the root of the problem. So often, I am leaning to my own understanding. To me, it seems like this. And based on that, I think we ought to do that. But the reality is, my understanding is many times deficient. I really don't know the situation. I really don't. You know, I have a view of it maybe. I, I have a perspective on it. I think I know what's happening. But you know, quite often I find out things that I thought that I was very clear about. I wasn't clear about it at all. And you see, this is, this is where we get into the trouble. It's when we lean to our own understanding. That's why Solomon begins with trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So you see, that's it. We're trusting in him. We're believing that he has a plan, that he has a will, that he has a way. And we're also believing that he's going to lead us into that. Because that's what it goes on to say. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and what is the promise? He shall direct your paths. You see, the, the Jacob in us would even at times be reluctant to acknowledge him, being suspicious that maybe if we were to do so, he would tell us something that we don't want to hear. So we'd just sort of like, well, I'm not going to really ask the Lord about that. I'm just going to, this is what I think I should do. But how many times has a person done that? And how many times have they found themselves in big trouble? So we can avoid 
much of that trouble by just taking that verse to heart and applying it, trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts. He knows. He's got the plan. You know, as I think back over Jacob's life and we're transitioning out of the focus being on Jacob and moving into the focus now being on Joseph. But, you know, when you think back, and of course, we can only um, speculate, but God was the one who declared that the older would serve the younger. God was the one who had planned to bless Jacob with the... the the covenant promise. And I'm absolutely certain that God having planned to do that, he had a way that it would have been done that would have been good and, and right and probably agreeable. At least it would have been the right way from his standpoint. And at this point, of course, we couldn't do anything but just sort of guess as as to how it might have happened. But it's not hard to imagine how God, you know, could have even changed Esau's heart and just put it on Isaac's heart and Rebecca's heart to sit down with the boys and say, this is what the Lord told us. And this is what we believe God is doing. And the birthright's going to go to Jacob. And this is all part of God's plan. And but it didn't happen that way, did it? And so we have Jacob for these 20 years disconnected from his family, living under the tyranny of his uncle Laban, deceived and ripped off like he had done with his father. That had all happened to him. And now he's going back and he's in fear and dread of this encounter once again with Esau, who the last time he saw him wanted to kill him. And all of this difficulty that that Jacob brought upon himself because he did not just surrender himself to the Lord and put himself in the hands of God, trusting that God had the best way. So these things were written for our learning. These things were written so we can look at Jacob and say, that is not the way to do it. (laughs) That's, That's the big lesson. That's the big lesson. That is not the way to do it. And I can tell you that there have been so many times when things have come along in my life and in my you know, walk and relationship and service to the Lord where the Lord has spoken to me and said, do not do what Jacob did. Yes, sir, I got it. <laughs> I don't want to do that because I don't want to end up where Jacob ended up. I don't want to end up limping around the rest of my life because I didn't trust the Lord. So the good news is we can avoid all this. That doesn't mean we're never going to have difficulties or troubles. You know, those things come even when we are right in the perfect will of God and following his way. But there are so many self-inflicted wounds and so many unnecessary things that we will avoid as we seek to emulate Israel. Let God be in charge and stay away from that mindset of Jacob. For the month of 
December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Stalls. Do you fight an internal hidden battle all alone? Or do you hear the quiet shaming of your own inner thoughts over past actions and regrets? If you answered yes to these questions, then you are not alone at all. In his book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, Scott Sauls shares about God's counter voice against the nagging voice of silent inner shaming. You'll also discover the secret of contentment, even in the face of guilt and regret, because God wants you to notice that He notices you. Your regrets, hurts, and fears don't have to define who you are, because in the hands of God, they are being repurposed as instruments that are shaping you into who He has destined you to become. The book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.